This is Theory of Change. I'm Matthew Sheffield. Got another great program here for you today. But before we get started, I just wanted to remind everybody that Theory of Change is part of the Flux Media Network. So you can go to flux.community for more podcasts and articles and in-depth discussions about the intersections of politics, religion, media, and technology. So that's flux.community. And if you like what we're doing here, you can go to patreon.com slash discoverflux to support the show. We can certainly use your help in that regard. We're not underwritten by any giant corporate billionaires or advertising or anything like that. So we always appreciate your help in that regard. And if you do that, you can get full access to all of the episodes of this podcast. And they also include audio, video, and transcript. And also if you go to theoryofchange.show, you can subscribe to the show on Substack. So I encourage you to do that and to get full access to the program and also to help it keep going. So with that out of the way, let's get into today's program. Rupert Murdoch, the Australian-American media tycoon, has accumulated billions of dollars since his Fox News channel has been in existence. And it's done it by monetizing and stoking the rage of a large segment of the public against their fellow Americans through tens of thousands of contrived controversies like the war on Christmas, obsessions over cartoon characters like SpongeBob SquarePants, Lego Building Blocks characters, and even M&M's chocolate candy. But they do at least sometimes cover the news of the day. And that is an area now where they have gotten in trouble. For the first time in 27 years, Fox Corporation is facing a serious threat to its bottom line in the form of a lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems, an election logistics company that launched a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against the right-wing infotainment channel for spreading lies that Dominion had cheated in the 2020 election, which Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden. The case is one of the most serious threats against a large American media company in decades. But the lawsuit's court filings have also been very illuminative in that they've given everyone a look at the inner workings of Fox. Thousands of emails and text messages produced in the litigation have shown that Fox's leadership and hosts think their audience is very fragile emotionally and cannot bear to hear too many things that conflict with their beliefs. In this episode, I'm joined by two reporters who have done a lot of great work covering Fox over the years. Justin Barragona is a senior media reporter at The Daily Beast, and Diana Falzone is a contributing editor at The Daily Beast. Welcome to Theory of Change. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's maybe start our discussion off with you today, Justin. So both of you have worked on a number of stories about Fox News over the years. Tell us about your most recent one. Okay, so we just worked on a story. is basically about the fallout internally at Fox amongst what we would call the news division or what they like to call the straight news side over at Fox. We spoke to nine different people within that division and got to see what their reaction was and how they felt like these documents would make their job harder, it impugns their reputation further, all that. And basically the general consensus was that, yeah, this sucks. We're not happy. It's embarrassing. And it kind of makes clear what has been known to many people before, but makes it extremely transparent that this is not a news organization. And it's a it's basically a political operation and a propaganda outlet. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. So Diana, you actually used to work at Fox News and unfortunately you are an, under a non-disclosure agreement with them. So we can't discuss your specific time there, but I think it has given you some unique insights into the organization. How are the people inside of Fox handling it from what you've seen? I departed the network in 2018 and as a media reporter, cover a great breadth of different corporations, including Fox News being such a Goliath in cable news. But inside, as Justin stated, we spoke to nine insiders at Fox News and they are extremely disheartened. One insider called it soul crushing. There is a very split divide between the punditry of Fox News and the straight news journalists that really do try to give the facts and present the facts. And we've seen in some of these Dominion filings 
the fallout that has happened. And I'm sure Justin can talk more about what's happened to some of those reporters when they did try to push back. We saw Tucker Carlson was calling for one of these reporters to be fired. This reporter was not fired. She was actually promoted in light of all of this. But we saw with Kristen Fisher that she had pushed back when she was there at her time at Fox in the filings. To your point that you were saying, in terms of this, Fox is known for its highly conservative programming host, but they do have people who are trying to actually report fairly. How do they, Diana, how are they reacting to all this? I mean, on Twitter, a bunch of people had said to me that, well, how could they not have known that Fox News wasn't a conservative organization? I spoke to someone who used to be at the company quite recently, and the source was saying that there was a shift, a dramatic shift when President Trump was elected in terms of how things were going to be pushed. And I think many of the straight news journalists were fighting that fight to be able to keep reporting the facts. We are seeing that very clearly in the fallout with the election fraud claims. There was a lot of pushback from inside. And as the journalists that are there now, they have been fighting. They have been trying to get the facts out to their audience. But we're seeing from the higher ups, the executives, that there was pushback. So now, Justin, I mean, the history of Fox, let's maybe get into that a little bit for people who don't know. So Fox was obviously created by the Australian media billionaire Rupert Murdoch, but he was, it's kind of incredible. I feel like that the first president of Fox News, Roger Ailes, has just, they've so rapidly gotten rid of him. For those who don't know in the audience who was Roger Ailes and why was he so pivotal to the ethos of Fox News? Roger Ailes was the architect of Fox News. Rupert might have been the founder and might have been the one that put the money behind it and wanted to create this sort of conservative alternative to the rest of the mainstream media. But it was Roger Ailes that was the one that whipped it into shape and created what we know of as Fox today. Of course, isn't it, wow, it's already been seven years <laughs> since he was let go. And it, we already know, most people watching this, I would think, would know that Ailes was let go because of a lot of sexual misconduct allegations that had taken place over the 20 years that he was chief of Fox News. And then we've seen more fallout that happened after that with other big name personalities at Fox. But I think one thing that if we want to just kind of pull back a little bit, one thing that's kind of apparent here in the Dominion filings is a lot of this stuff wouldn't have been happening if Roger Ailes was still in charge. Put this sort of veneer of respect. He made sure that he kept things in charge. He wanted to make sure that that they kept the veneer of respectability upon the network when it would come to their news anchors and reporters that they weren't going to be bullied or disrespected by the opinion hosts, especially publicly, but definitely not privately like we were seeing right here. And he wouldn't let the, it's a cliche, but he wouldn't let the inmates run the asylum. He would have kind of put a tamp down on like Tucker kind of getting too big for his britches here in terms of feeling like he's the king of Fox News now and he can do whatever he wants. He's going to let them know who's really in charge here, which we saw in some of those text messages is how much power that they have and that they're going to go ahead and make sure that this stuff isn't happening from the news side anymore where they're fact-checking some of these claims or making their, making their opinion people look bad. So I think that's one standout thing here in, in these filings is that Suzanne Scott does not, and who is now the CEO of Fox News, does not have, not the power, that's not really the right word, but doesn't have the ability to keep them in line. She doesn't have the stature. Yeah, I would say stature is a good word there. But yeah, they know that they can kind of not run her over, but that she's going to do what they want because it's all about respecting the audience. Another term that we heard a lot in these filings, because at this point, they're actually taken hostage by their viewers rather than they're going to do anything to tell them anything different because they need to make sure that they get ratings because ratings is all that matters. Yeah. Well, and I do want to come back to that concept of respect the audience. Um, uh, but let's go to you first, Diana. So as Justin mentioned, the CEO of Fox News is Suzanne Scott. You wrote a profile of her a little while ago. Tell us, uh, who is Suzanne Scott? Where did she come from in media? She's not a person 
puts herself forward as much as Roger Ailes, her predecessor, did. No, um, Suzanne Scott is very much behind the scenes. She has been part of Fox News since the inception under Roger Ailes. She served as his assistant and slowly worked up the ranks. She was put in after Bill Shine was outed. She was part of the supposed change of Fox News after Ailes was gone in terms of women empowerment, making sure that there was a face of a woman in a prominent position. However, Suzanne Scott has a very muddied past that has been reported upon not only by myself and then my then colleague at the Daily Beast, Lori Grove, but others. And she right now is not smelling like a rose in these filings. The thing about Scott, I think that's also interesting is that from the text messages and emails from the host, the opinion primetime host, she doesn't have their respect. But nonetheless, she knows very well who the audience of Fox News is and why they watch it. And so go back to what you were saying, Justin, she has a mantra that she really says in these emails and texts. I found like five or six instances of her using respect the audience, know who our audience is, know what their expectations are. What does she mean by that, Justin? Well, I mean, one that the Dominion lawyers are really grasping onto in their case, which is just a few days after the election, while they were still dealing with the fallout of their own Arizona election call that set off the bombshell in right-wing media and Trump world. She goes, we can't give, we can't give the crazies an inch. And what she's meaning by that is that it's not that she's saying that we have to lean in harder on the truth or anything of that nature. What she's saying is that we can't let these sort of smaller competitors that are now grabbing our viewers, namely Newsmax, we can't give them an inch. We have to basically compete with them on their level to grab these viewers back because these viewers are now upset with us because we said that Joe Biden won the state of Arizona, which means that he's going to win the presidency, which is something that they thought was inconceivable. And now they're being told by Team Trump and by completely sympathetic media on his side that this was stolen from us. So we have to kind of maybe at least give that idea some credence. Some stuff out there, maybe we allow that to go on our air. Now, they're going to object to that and say, well, no, we were we were just reporting the news. And if a president is saying that the election's stolen, that is news and we need to put that out there. But you know, we see a pattern that happened right after that, where a lot of these opinion hosts were then just putting this out there while behind the scenes they're saying, well, this is all a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. And to go back to ratings, they were, Fox was very afraid of the underdog. They're very, they didn't have competition before Newsmax or OAN or any of these right-wing conservative outlets. And Newsmax was beating them in ratings. They were having their audience jump ship and go to Newsmax. And Justin and I reported on that back at the time. And there was extreme concern within the building of Fox News that they were going to lose their audience to this little startup that could, and that wasn't going to happen. But what was interesting to see was some prominent names in the Dominion filing being so threatened by the underdog and really trying to throw out the ethos of journalists in order to really bow down to that audience. Yeah. And the other thing also, as my audience knows, I have a background working in conservative media myself. And one of the things that I was struck by in reading these texts and emails is that when you work in conservative media, you have to have a certain level of basic competency in order to produce a product that is coherent and people would actually watch. So you have a basic level of competence and understanding and literacy. But what you soon discover in working in it is that a huge part of your audience doesn't actually understand politics and has trouble grasping complex concepts. And to me, like that was something that I saw, especially from Scott, is that Scott is the native. She knows the audience. She built this audience. She was there as they came in from zero. Well, um, I, would have to, I would have to disagree that she knows 
that she understands television. Oh, no, she knows the audience, I'm saying. She knows, she might know the audience. Suzanne Scott is known for, based on my profile, based on the sources I interviewed, she is known for following whatever the Murdochs tell her to do. She's in a leadership position, but Jay Wallace, who's co-president, really understands the formulas that work. He really understands the audience. He understands the mechanism of television. Suzanne Scott ascended for reasons that were not about her prowess of media. Okay, that's an important point. And you can maybe kind of see it, though, because like in the documents, Wallace he's making he doesn't make this point as often as that we have to tell the audience what they want to hear because when you look at the ratings fox was losing to newsmax and certain time slots and specific days so this was a real threat for them and i wrote a piece for the young turks in which i talked about how that there's a certain amount of irony in that fox's shows are often deriding people who are on the left side of the aisle is snowflakes, quote unquote, who just can't handle anything and need a safe space. But I mean, over and over, it seems like the Fox audience wants a safe space from the rest of the world. Did you get that sense at all, Justin? I mean, yes. And they know that. I mean, that's the reason why that they were reprimanding reporters who would do a fact check of Rudy Giuliani's crazy ass press conference, right? Kristen Fisher then went, on right after said, well, that's not true or that's unproven or that's baseless. And then immediately after that, her boss, who was told from above him, we need to do something about that. And then you need to let her know to, we go back to that phrase that she needs to know how to respect the audience. And then she was not given much airtime right after that. She used to be used as like a villain host, was one of their top White House correspondents. She was shuffled off to the side after that because of that. And then, as we know, a few months later, she took a job with less prominence with CNN rather than stay as a White House correspondent with Fox. Which is pretty unheard of in television. Like People don't do that. So, Diana, despite all these constant concessions and flattering of the audience that was happening at Fox, the opinion hosts in these messages that we've seen, they seem to hate their colleagues. I mean, did you see any messages or did you get that sense when you were reading through these? We see with Tucker Carlson, there is an exchange that actually brings up one of our articles about Suzanne Scott from the Daily Beast. And he seems to be celebrating it with one of his producers. So there is a lot of pushback. I mean, we did reference earlier on in our conversation that here you have a DC-based reporter who is simply doing her job and Tucker Carlson is calling for her to be fired to the executives. I mean, that in itself, as one of our Fox Insiders said in our recent article, the king of entitlement, there's so much smugness. There's this idea that you're going to have journalists get punished for reporting the facts that there would be a host that would have that kind of power to even demand that of news network executives is just mind blowing. Yeah. And well, the other thing also, there was at least one text from Carlson and his colleague, Laura Ingram, in which they said that they believe that Fox hates them. And they believe that one of the communications people who worked there, Irina Briganti, that she hated them and was embarrassed of us. I think as one of them put it. Go ahead, Justin. I was just going to say, just as an aside, they were actually also referencing reporting we were doing and acting like Irina was coming to us and kind of dumping stuff to us to embarrass them, which Mm -hmm. I know is funny because, no, that's just (laughs) the Daily Beast. Let me just say that. So Yeah. Well, okay. And so I guess one of the other kind of thing figures in these messages that we've seen is Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy. You would think that a guy who advertises a lot on the network would not be someone who would be being discussed by the editorial team in an editorial context. And yet he was. Either one of you can take that out. What were they saying about Lindell and what was, well, what was his role there? 
even when they were pulling back from the Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani stuff, right? Where they were, okay, we need to even stop there. Lindell was just going nuts in terms of, I mean, he was full on dead end. The election was stolen by these rig machines and I can prove it. And I've got all this cyber information and all this, but you know, at the same time, he's the number one advertiser on Fox news. He's the one giving them their money. I mean, all the blue chip advertisers had left Tucker Carlson's show and most of them had left Laura Ingram's show. So they were relying heavily on Mike Lindell's MyPillow ads in primetime. And for a period of time, he was mad at Fox and he was pulling his ads because they weren't going over with, with the Dominion stuff. So they needed to make sure, keep him happy. I mean, there's actually an exchange in there where they're like, okay, we need to send Mike Lindell a gift, make sure that he knows he's respected. And a few days after Biden's inauguration, Tucker Carlson brings Mike Lindell on and lets him just blather on about Dominion voting systems machines and how they stole the election. And Tucker gave no pushback and just let it sit out there. And that's like a big exchange that Dominion is pointing to. Tucker Carlson in his deposition had to talk about at length. Why was there no pushback on that? But Lindell is a big money contributor to the Fox machine. They need to keep Mike Lindell happy. They don't bring him on air now since then for obvious reasons. They're facing a $1.6 billion lawsuit, as is he, but they don't want to make him more angry than he's going to get. So they're going to kind of let that stuff go with him. Diana, did you have anything to add in that context, the Lindell context with the Fox? Like, Have you ever talked with any Fox employees about what they think about Mike Lindell? Other than that, it was incredibly embarrassing to allow someone to go on the network and spew utter lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To go back to my own experience, I did. I personally did have that. I was an editor at this website called Newsbusters, which is kind of like a right wing media matters. And I was always pulling my hair out at having to have articles appear on the site that were just awful. I was made to have on the front page articles complaining that there was a gay character on a show or that a lesbian relationship was indirectly implicated to exist. God forbid we can't have any of that stuff on television. We have to remember too, the narratives of Fox News for years have been the war on Christmas, the war on Santa Claus. They all pale in comparison to what has happened with the election fraud and the Dominion lawsuit. I mean, it really does. That looks silly and frivolous to how they are now, (laughs) it's showing that they lied to their audience, the audience that they're groveling to for ratings. I mean, it's the sources have said it's just it's an embarrassment for the real journalists who are trying to do really good work. Mm -hmm. They feel stuck at the network and are not sure which way to go. They feel some of them have said they felt censored, but also for the audience, the Fox News audience should seriously be questioning what they're ingesting. And I do believe that the audience is as smart as you treat them. Well, yeah. And to that point, I mean, Justin, you have, I think you have written about how that Fox has explicitly told its shows they cannot talk about the Dominion lawsuit. And they even told their uh, media reporter, Howard Kurtz, you cannot talk about it, even though your job is to report on the media. In a way, you have to feel bad for for Howard Kurtz because he's put in an impossible situation here that he hosts now the only weekly media show on cable news since Stelter's Reliable Sources was canceled. So his would be the spot where there would be an extended conversation and look into what's going on here. And it would be great, especially coming from a Fox News show, that you could have that kind of perspective. But we had to say, after ignoring it the weekend after the first filings dropped, he had to go on the, the following week and say, look, I would like to cover it. But I'm being told from up high that I cannot talk about it because we're facing legal action. And that's a cop out. And he knows it's a cop out, but that's the way that he can't talk about it. If he were, I'm assuming that he would get punished, reprimanded, even fired. So he just has to, he has to toe the line too. So 
there he is saying, okay, this is the deal. And so the biggest story on a media company for a long time, Fox News has to ignore it on its airwaves. And so there's a big gap in there. And so they just fill it with more right-wing outrage about Disney characters or something. I don't know. And Howard Kurtz was given a directive, but as we reported in our story, the reporters, they're not being told anything. They're not having any kind of directives at all, or even having this being mentioned. As we said, it's hush in the hallways there. And many times they're finding out what's going on with Dominion through the media, the outside media. So it's, uh, as they said, it's a bad place to be for those there right now. Yeah, I just want to just reiterate that. A lot of times they're coming to us to find out what's going on over there. We're getting more information than some of the people that work there are in regards to any information about what's going on. I've even had at least one person over there going, hey, can you forward me the link to the filings so I can see them? So I can see the exhibits, so I can see the emails and the texts. They're in a really extraordinarily difficult position as a company. I mean, the legal standard for libel in the United States is very permissive to the media outlet. And so as such, if you are a public figure or public corporation, the standard is what they call actual malice. The media outlet has to be shown to have had a reckless disregard for whether statements were true or not. They can either show that they knew they were false or show that they didn't care whether they were true or false. And a number of legal experts have looked at this case and said that this is really one of the most significant instances where United States libel law is going to come down against the media company. That's probably a sense you guys have gotten from talking to people as well, right? Yeah. I mean, there's been dozens of legal experts that now have been asked about it. And even the ones that are like, well, I don't know if it'll get over that bar. They're like, this is one of the stronger cases we've seen in this, because in general, the actual malice is a very difficult threshold to cross. But here, Dominion has collected so much information that can kind of make its case because you see the behind the scenes concerns there and machinations where they're going back and forth and going, we know this is crazy, but it's going on the air. And they're also completely paranoid about their ratings at that point. That cannot be underscored enough. I mean, they were freaking out about losing viewers because they put it all on the Arizona call and all on their decision desk and all on their reporters and that they needed to find a way to get those viewers back. And so that's the case that you're making to say that we're doing this knowingly. We're knowingly airing these lies about this company, which is Dominion. That's the case Dominion has to make, that you defamed us on purpose for the sole purpose of trying to get your ratings to rebound. And you could also point out that, you know what? Fox's ratings did rebound after that. They were able to get their audience back. They did regain those viewers. Now, the thing is, they probably were going to regain them anyway. I mean, does anyone in their right mind really think Newsmax was going to take down Fox News? Not in hindsight, but at the time, Rupert Murdoch sure seemed like he did. (laughs) He was sure worried, even though they'd been at top for 20 plus years. They thought, oh, Newsmax got to take us down. So, yeah, I'm not a legal expert. But I'm going to say legal experts have said that, yes, this is a very good case. But even with all of this, right, even with an upcoming trial, some of the insiders that we've spoken to still feel that they themselves will be impacted by this in terms of their livelihoods. Will they survive there? Will they be able to get a new job, as they put it, with the stink of Fox on them and all that has now since been revealed in a legitimate news network? And yet they don't think that hosts like Tucker Carlson are going to be harmed. They don't think that the empire of Fox News will be harmed. So it's an extremely intriguing time to see how all of this plays out and what it all really means. I guess one of the other things that's 
notable in these filings or in the emails and texts that you see is that the Fox elite, the leadership, the anchors, they hate Donald Trump. They seem to hate Donald Trump. There is not one message that I've seen that says Donald Trump's a good guy. We should defend him because he's right about this. Or just simply, well, he's doing this in good faith here. We should hear him out. Let him make his case. You don't see that. There's basically just this almost resentment against Trump. And they feel like he's just sort of this weight on them. And Tucker Carlson explicitly said in one message that I hate him passionately. But He's not alone in that. And we're seeing echoes of that more recently. I want to hear from both of you on this one. Do they not like Trump? What's the sense that you've gotten from talking to people and reading things yourselves? Why don't we go with you, Diana, first, and then we'll go to Justin. From sources dating back to when Trump was elected, a lot of the straight news journalists were very concerned about how much harder this was going to make their job, knowing that Fox had a pro-Trump slant. That has not changed in light of these filings. I think what's surprising to so many on the outside, including even these reporters and insiders that we've spoken to, is that the likes of Tucker Carlson had such a passionate dislike for Donald Trump. Even extending this conversation outside of reporting, Eric Bowling was on Newsmax last night, just in complete, utter disbelief that... Tucker Carlson, the Tucker Carlson, who loves Donald Trump on air, would be saying these things behind closed doors. And there was this whole back and forth with Carrie Lake about, we've got to bring him back into the Trump fold. This doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's incredibly surprising what was revealed. Justin, what's the sense that you've gotten from your reading and reporting? Well, I would just say on one end, when you're saying like they hated Trump, I think it was when you're looking at that period of time, they were like, especially up high, they were hating what Trump was doing to them. That's the bigger thing. They hated what they were going to be forced to have to defend somehow. This is what he's put, he's making us do this. Look at what he's doing to us. We don't have a choice because we can't just play this straight. We have to appeal to our audience and our audience loves Trump. So we have to do this. So we hate him because of what he's doing to us. And that's a little bit of, I think, also what Tucker's doing there. Tucker is actually, if you actually look over the years, he's been kind of ambivalent about Trump, right? He'll pander to Trump and his supporters, but he's not like a full-branded acolyte like Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram or like the Fox and Friends crew. He is, Tucker thinks of himself as a kingmaker and a philosopher king on his own end, where he's the one that can bring these ideas to the forefront of the GOP. But his views and Trump's views align. He sees Trump as a vulgarian behind the scenes. He also just, in what he's doing there, he dislikes what Trump is doing to the network and to him and to the movement. But it also, on the whole other end, it just exposes, once again, that Tucker Carlson is a fraud and he's fraudulent to his own viewers. It was just, what, two, three months ago where we saw him laughing it up with Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene at a live golf tournament. And now we see that he's saying behind the scenes how much he hates Trump and how he's a destroyer and he's a demonic force and look what he's done. And he's never going to address it because he feels he doesn't have to. But I will say that you could sense some chinks in the armor here because she brought up Eric Bowling, but there's other people out there like in the conservative media ecosphere that are like, hey, you see what he's saying over here? And eventually he's going to throw fire that way. And at that point, it's a choice, right? For these viewers, hey, what it, it, is Tucker kind of just taking us for a ride here? What does he actually believe? Tucker's power is really just in that 8 p.m. Fox News slot. You take him out of that 8 p.m. slot, he's another Daily Wire podcaster. Yeah, well, I think the other thing about it, I mean, about him specifically, though, is that, I mean, one of the the points that emerged was him saying that, look, I can bring our audience back if you put me on the air more, give me more authority and more of a budget. And 
they went for it. So he now crops up fairly regularly on programs, on the ostensible news programs, either to be interviewed about, oh, well, what do you think about this? Or, oh, here's what Tucker said yesterday about this. And then, of course, he's got his specials, Tucker Carlson films, as he calls them. And I mean, those have attracted controversy recently with his involvement with Kevin McCarthy, but also with his general attempt to say that the January 6th Capitol riot was peaceful. I mean, this guy is really kind of putting his tentacles all throughout Fox News. Would you agree with that, Diana? Well, just citing back to our story, we did have a correspondent say that Tucker Carlson makes their jobs more dangerous. What do you think they meant by that? exactly what they said. It makes it more dangerous because he puts a target on mainstream media. He puts a target on the journalists that are there that are trying to report on, hey, this is actually, these are fraudulent claims about election fraud. That didn't happen. Well, there's a mark on their back by that audience that believes that there was fraud. There's a mark on their back when they say and report that the January 6th riots were violent. People died because of that event. And there's a mark on their back for saying the facts. That's exactly what they mean by Tucker Carlson and his narratives put their lives in danger. It's their lives, not just reputations. It's their lives. That's a pretty striking thing to say about your coworker. Again, remember, they don't think... Chuck Carlson might be in the same company, but I don't think that they would necessarily consider him a direct coworker or an ally or even a distant colleague in terms of what they do versus what he does. I mean, that's the distinction between a Tucker Carlson at the Fox News, a Hannity at Fox News versus the actual journalists who are covering a specific beat and are just trying to get the facts out to their audience. And one of the insiders I spoke to said, I didn't get into journalism to do this kind of work. I got in for the reasons of trying to present the facts and letting the audience make their own decisions. I'm not here to distort the facts or go along with any kind of distortion. Yeah. Somebody who had an affiliation with Fox had told me a number of years ago that there's basically three types of people who work there. There's people who are seeing it as a stopover to their next job. There's people who see it as they want to become a lifer in the organization to work there forever and work their way up the chain because they're true conservative believers. And then there are people who are just somehow there because they needed a job and they couldn't get a job anywhere else for whatever reason. And that's basically three types of people who work there. What do you think, Justin? Is that an accurate assessment? And if so, what's the division, would you say? I mean, it's fairly accurate. I will say this. There's a lot of media colleagues that will get on Twitter or even say on air that, you know, they don't like it, they can leave. What did they think what this was, all that. But there's got to be a level of sympathy here, too, because there's only so many jobs in the media. You don't just go, okay, leave, and then what are you going to do then? There's only three major cable news networks, and then there's smaller ones that are going to pay a fraction of what these the big three pay. There's only so many media jobs in the broadcast networks, and then you go into print and digital. But right now, all these media companies have decided, oh, we're going to slash some payroll. We're going to like get rid of folks. So to kind of date that now and saying, you know what, you knew what this was, the whole New Year's snake, blah, blah, blah. So why are you getting all offended now? It's like a lot of people work at jobs that they don't agree fully with the company line, but they still go to that job. They still do their work. They still go in day in and day out and they get their paycheck. I mean, doing the whole, this is a t- truly evil company. I mean, that makes us feel good on Twitter, but to say that about people's livelihoods, it just comes across as crass to me. And so I usually don't subscribe to that, but yeah, I do agree with you that there are three different levels of people over at Fox. And yeah, a lot of these people would love to get another job and are actively looking and hoping to get out of there. But until then, I mean, what are they going to do? Right. And this doesn't clearly help, right? I mean, Uh, it makes it worse. It makes it worse. Makes it worse. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's maybe go back to the present. So we've been going through the past here in 2020. So fast forward to now, Fox, independent of this lawsuit, is also in another interesting with regard to Donald Trump, because Rupert Murdoch very clearly, as we've seen in the filings, you know, he seems to view Trump as just this moron who should go away. And he's positioned Fox, his channel, both of his channels, Fox Business Network and Fox News Channel, he's positioned both of them to ignore Trump. So, like, they don't invite him as a guest on their shows. They haven't since he launched his campaign. In fact, his CPAC speech, which he recently delivered in February, that was the first time since he had announced he was running for president for the third time that he had any extended length footage appearing on Fox of him. And he still wasn't being interviewed. But by the same token, Murdoch has, he's literally the publisher of Ron DeSantis' book. He had five appearances within a week of rolling out the book on Fox shows. And Laura Ingram, the Washington Post reported, was the MC at a private fundraising event for Ron DeSantis. So they're really trying to make Trump go away, but I think they're bumping up against this. It's almost like a kind of dialed down version of what they were facing in 2020. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry to interject, but Rupert Murdoch helped make Donald Trump a political superstar that skyrocketed him into the presidency. I mean, Rupert Murdoch was very heavy handed in getting Trump elected. If he did not have the power of Fox News behind him, I do not believe Trump would have ever made it as far as he did. Well, tell the audience what you mean specifically and how did he do that? Maybe Justin should. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, I mean, on piggyback on what she said, I mean, Trump wouldn't have been where he was without the Fox News machine. He started off as like a weekly featured guest on Fox and Friends back in like 2011 when he was doing his Barack Obama was born in Kenya bit. And he almost got into the presidential race then, but continued to be a regular presence on Fox News until then he launched it. We should point out that there was a period of time after he attacked Megyn Kelly at the debate that they tried to pull back from Fox and defend Megyn, like they were going to back Megyn Kelly. But in the end, that feud lasted like, what, a few weeks? And then they went back on board the Trump train and then helped ride that all the way to the presidency and then had a larger pivot in the Trump years where it was a full on Trump Fox loop. And that basically you go from Fox to the Trump administration, then go back to Fox. And we've still seen that. And what we're talking about now where there's like this soft ban on Trump. He hasn't been on air in a few year, a few months. The only thing we've seen is like we're seeing a Kind of a little bit of a thawing of that, though, with the CPAC, speech. where they aired their whole CPAC speech. And then over on Hannity this a few days ago, Hannity aired portions of his uh, radio interview with Trump on his show while also doing highlights of his CPAC speech. So we are seeing that maybe Rupert's going to try to keep his eggs in a few different baskets here. Preference, DeSantis. But he also reads the polls and still more GOP voters are leaning to Trump at this point than they are to DeSantis. So do we think that Fox is not going to be all in on Trump if Trump is the 2024 nominee? That's stupid to think that they're not going to do that. They're going to be all in on Trump and he'll be on the air all the time. But it all goes back to the same reason that we're here about Dominion, the filings, ratings. Yeah. It's all about the ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also about supporting the Republican Party. So maybe just to go into that a little bit further. So, Diana, in the people that you've talked to, I mean, at Fox, the ones who are not actively partisan, interested in supporting the Republican Party. I mean, you said that they felt like it got worse after Trump won. Did they feel like that it's getting even worse than that now? Well, we saw that. Really, right after the Arizona call, we saw what we refer to in one of our reports as a little bottomy of the brain room. The brain room at Fox News is their research 
fact-checking team. And upon that call, slowly but surely, we saw pretty much all of Fox News Digital just like decimated. And the brain room was left, I think, about two or three staffers at the time. So it was really swing in the way of getting less about the facts and more about the opinions. It was really about aggregating a lot and making sure to, there's a term called foxifying content, making sure that it made the viewer happier and it did have a pro-Trump slant to it at the time. So that was very troubling for those that were working there during that time. And there has been pushback. Like we said, we talked to a correspondent who said, if I was completely unable to do my job, I wouldn't be able to go on TV and state what's going on with the facts. So there is, there are a few that have been there long enough that are pushing back that are not allowing them to be steamrolled by the higher ups. But yeah, definitely there's a feeling of feeling censored. There's a feeling of feeling pushed to have to ascribe to a certain kind of agenda there. There was a push to byline on certain stories that some of the journalists we spoke to did not feel comfortable with some of the headlines, did not feel like they wanted their names attached. And there was a pushback where they did not want to be a part of certain articles. And so that they might aggregate it, they might write it up, but in no way do they want to get credit for reporting on something like that. Yeah, I guess to that point that Republicans in Congress have been focusing a lot on the on Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden's son, and a laptop of his that somehow came into the hands of, of a, a computer repair shop. And Rudy Giuliani was sort of the vessel for that in the 2020 election, trying to get that out there. And Fox actually did something unusual that I think hasn't really been, isn't noted enough. And that is that Fox refused to run the story at the time. And so it ended up and uh, what you said, Diana, reminded me of that because it ended up over at the New York Post, the uh, tabloid newspaper that Murdoch owns. And the reporter who ended up writing that story said that they didn't want their byline on it because they thought that it was not sound. And the reality is that Rudy Giuliani, who you know is a known to be someone who is very fond of alcohol, we'll put it, and is known for his wild conspiracy theories. And he was the only source of that at the time. And Fox didn't want to run it. That's my only wish is that there was something about Hunter Biden's laptop in these Fox documents. Yeah, I I guess that Dominion was just like, we don't need to open up those can of worms. We're just going to stay laser focused on anything that relates to what we believe is our case. They've been able to show hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents that relate to all that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, that it does show that even back then, Fox did have standards that it would hold to sometimes. And the Hunter Biden laptop was one of them. And I think it does, to some degree, make the Dominion point that at first they didn't give a lot of credence to the stolen election ideas. But eventually they said, well, look, Newsmax is meeting us. We've got to do something. All right. So we're coming up toward the end here. Are there any specific things that you guys have thought about here that you want to touch on before we go? Well, I just wanted to piggyback real quick on one thing on what you were talking about, like the editorial standards and all that. There's two things that you'll notice in these Dominion filings. One is that they almost seem like they were in the weeks after the election and noticing how, how many of their viewers were flocking to Newsmax, that they noted that Newsmax has no editorial standards whatsoever. But then their top producers in editorial management was thinking, hey, maybe we should kind of ape that. It went from stating they have no editorial standards. They just air whatever they want. And it seems to be really attracting the viewers. So we need to just completely not cut out of Trump rallies or press conferences or anything like that. In the very following day, they go and air the Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell press conference in its entirety. No interruptions. The one where his hair dye has fallen down his face and where they just throw out all the worst type of dumb conspiracies possible. And then another thing is that while, yes, Fox News does have editorial standards and they did have them, 
there's actually no actual written editorial standards that you can find over at Fox. And that was made apparent in these filings that they couldn't produce them because it's not written down anywhere. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Diana, did you have any points you wanted to add here before we go? I think we've covered a great amount. (laughs) The history of Fox, what's going on now and where we're going. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I appreciate both of you joining me here today. Let me put up on the screen your Twitter information. So uh, we've been joined today by both Diana Falzone, and she is on Twitter at her name. So that's F-A-L-Z-O-N-E if you are listening on audio. And then we've also been joined by her colleague, Justin Barragona, and that's B-A-R-A-G-O-N-A if you are listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so that's our program for today. Thank you everyone for participating. And I do want to give a special shout out to people who are supporting the show. If you would like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash discoverflux. And you can go to theoryofchange.show if you want to support us and subscribe on Substack. And if you are a member, you get full access to all of the audio and video and transcripts of this show. And you also help make it possible. We're not bankrolled by billionaires or universities or for-profit media corporations. No, we're made possible by people like you. So I really appreciate your support. And I will see everyone next time.